0: Last week, we talked about the new addition to the Louisville men's basketball team, Emmanuel Okorafor. Well, on today's episode of the Locked on the Louisville podcast, we're going to talk about what to expect for the rest of the season, considering that he is immediately eligible. We'll do that and more on today's episode of the show. Stay tuned. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On, the global podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As always, I want to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services five days a week, your team, every day. We mentioned on last week's episode, or the final episode of last week, the new addition to the Louisville men's basketball team, Emmanuel Acorafor Today we're going to talk about what should be the expectations for him for the rest of the season considering that he is immediately eligible. We'll also talk about the Louisville women's basketball team's loss to NC State on Sunday and at the final uh, or in the final segment we'll talk about or dive into a weekly mailbag. So before we do that got to give a shout out to my guy Kevin Parrish L1C4 the arts for hooking me up with some fantastic uh, merchandise, definitely love the Louisville Love hoodie. Uh, go check out his website, his Twitter page. Um, you know he has a bunch of different things, variety wise, that uh, he can offer, and what he can do is extremely solid. Um, very very talented guy. Um, so definitely be sure to hit my guy up if you have any needs of getting some Louisville Cardinal merch. Diving into the men's basketball, um, rest of the men's basketball schedule. Now you do so with a new player, Emmanuel Akora four six nine, big man from uh, Lagos, Nigeria, uh, member of the NBA Africa Academy. Talked about him at the end of last week. Um, immediately eligible, sort of a addition that was out of the blue. Very, very surprising. Caught a lot of people off guard, but regardless, need to take it a little bit of a step forward. We're going to talk about what to expect or what should we expect from Okorafor for the remainder of the season. He is immediately eligible. That's something to focus on, right? I think that you look at this um, a couple different ways. Number one, I think that there is no reason that he shouldn't play significant minutes moving forward. The team is 2-17 and 17, um, unless they go out and win the ACC tournament, which I don't think anyone would Venture out and say that that would ever be the case, uh, but stranger things have happened, I suppose. Uh, regardless, this season it's all about you know trying to plan for the future as much as you can, trying to stay competitive. Well, now you have guys, um, you know maybe like a Fabio Basilia, Devin Ree, uh, Kamari Land, some of the younger guys that you're trying to bank on that potential. You have a player now in Emmanuel Akorafor that has the talent, he has the potential. You know, six foot nine big man from. Uh, Nigeria looks solid um in his uh limited play in the past couple months in a league that contained former Louisville Cardinal center honest Mahmoud so very talented players in that league average double digits um scoring also double figures I believe in rebounding as well six nine with a 75 wingspan 37 inch vertical so solid physical numbers there but uh, raw prospect so he will need to continue to refine those basketball skills and uh, just continue to adapt now to the college game so I don't think that there is any reason why he shouldn't play significant minutes considering that uh, there's nothing to lose here if you're Louisville you already are having one of the worst seasons in power five history it's hard to garner up a ton of momentum heading into next season unless you start to win games i think at this point it's all about you know trying to gear towards the future allowing those younger guys that you're trying to bank on development with to play and work through some of those uh growing pains and inexperiences so on and so forth so I think we need to get that out of the way. Talking about, um, I'm not saying he has to play 40 minutes a game, but I I think that he should be heavily involved in the rotation, especially when you consider the struggles that Wobble has had in the front court. Brandon Huntley-Hadfield is injured. I don't think there is an update on Brandon Huntley-Hadfield with his foot injury. I could be wrong, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like there has been any concrete information. Um, Jalen Withers, Sidney Curry uh, haven't necessarily lived up to the hype uh, in the preseason. Um, J.J. Trainer, Roosevelt Wheeler, guys that have shown some flashes here and there. Sure, there might be a log jam in the front court for minutes, but I think at this point you have to make it a point of emphasis to get a core for time on the court. Significant time to where he's You know, not playing garbage time, not playing when the game doesn't matter. You know, actually playing him in solid situations. So, that gets me to the next point. What do we expect? It's kind of like the situation with Fabio Basile. I said back before the season, just because I said we needed to temper expectations with Basile did not mean that I didn't think he was talented as a player. I just thought that he's a player that um, is a project— is going to be a guy that's going to need a season or two to really carve out a role at the power five level in Division one basketball. Um, you know, came in late. Um, I I don't like talking about the system because currently I really don't necessarily know what that system is, neither on offense nor defense. That's just me being honest. I'm not necessarily sure where a Coral Four fits into the scheme because. I think people are still concerned about what that scheme is. Look, I don't think that we've understood or come to terms with the team's offensive identity since probably since the team with Carly Jones and David Johnson. Last year, we struggled to find it out this year. We have not come any closer to that. So I think we need to temper expectations. I'm not, sure that he's going to be a guy that comes in right away and averages double figures in scoring over six or seven rebounds, um, you know, a couple block shots. I think that, you know, at this point we are looking for flashes of potential, looking for him to make the right plays, um, getting acclimated with the speed of the collegiate game. Now, granted he has played with professionals, uh, recently. So maybe that transition would be a little easier for him more. So, uh, true freshman in college that played at the high school and AAU levels in his previous um, you know, season. So I think that, um, like I said, number one, he should be playing significant playing time uh, because at this point you have nothing to lose. I'm excited to see him play to see um, just how ready or how much growth he needs to have. I think he's going to be a player that's going to give you maximum effort on both ends of the court, solid in the pick and roll game. Um, As a guy that rolls off the screens, I think that he's going to be um, a high-effort, tenacious rebounder, uh, which is something that, unfortunately, this team has not consistently had all season long. So, potentially, that will be a breath of fresh air. Defensively, um, I I think it's a matter of staying composed on defense, not fouling, um, with going up against uh, more athletic guys in the ACC um, I think that it'll be interesting to see how he holds his own defensively speaking. I'm not necessarily worried about him defensively. I, I like you know his length, you know, with a seven foot five wingspan, solid on ball defender. I think that he's going to be serviceable in that regard early on. Offensively is where the question marks arise. There's not a lot of film outside of some highlight reels for Akora Ford. I think that that's kind of where. I don't want to make a player comparison. I don't want to talk about what um, type of player a core four could be in the future, because simply put, I'll be completely honest. I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't like using highlight reels as a basis of founding that opinion, because at the end of the day, that's only the good place. You don't see, you know, the mistakes, um, you know, the bad decisions, so on and so forth. Right. So, until I see um, you know a couple games under his belt we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think offensively the best thing for him I, I think is what we're going to see is we're going to see him um, you know live around the rim. We're gonna see him fight for offensive rebounds try to clean up off the glass and uh, use his ability with his size athleticism strength and length to try to um, assert his way. In the paint, um, try to work in the post Uh, footwork is obviously going to need to be refined, Um, has shown the ability to hit that mid range jump shot, but I would assume that he's a guy that lives um, eight to 10 feet from the basket, at least early on. Uh, but it would be nice for his confidence to see some early shots go in uh, from the mid-range, 15, 20 feet. So, um, yeah, I think that right now you have to kind of temper those expectations. Might not necessarily be what global fans want to hear, but I think that that's the truth. Um, if we see some solid moments from him, that's going to be great, especially for the future. But as of right now, you know, coming in late um, you know, to the team, we're going to have to temper those expectations. So what to expect? We should expect him to play a lot um, and try to get better with each and every game. Um, Into the second segment, I want to take a little bit of a step into a different direction, talk about the Louisville women's basketball team's loss to NC State on Sunday. Um, We will do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Um, They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profile to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked on the Louisville your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Moving right on along into the second segment, talking about the Louisville women's basketball team's loss to NC State on Sunday, 63 To 51, the Cardinals um, now 15 and 7 went into that game. um, Winners of their last two Um, overall, they have, I think, three. Yes, three losses in ACC play. They're three and six in the ACC, a game and a half outside of first. Um, Duke and Notre Dame tied at first, seven and one. They're 15-7. They lost to NC State, which was a very solid opportunity to pick up their most important win of the season. Uh, but it was a back-and-forth game. Uh, simply put, the uh, big takeaway is that the Cardinals just didn't make enough shots. Uh, they didn't shoot all that well at, at all. There was one point where they were shooting better from three than they were from the field. Only 30% from the field, 20 of 66 from behind the arc, which is not a good number. NC State, 46% from the field. 31% from behind the arc. The Cardinals, 7-11 from the free throw line. They turned the ball over 12 times, uh, had six assists. So the 6-12 to to assist-to-turnover ratio something that we talked about in the past as being one of the uh, struggles of this team, not necessarily capitalizing on ball movement and open shots, but turning the ball over a little bit too much. When you compare that to what NC State did, sure, they turned the ball over 15 times, but they had 13 assists, so a little bit of a better statistical range. Um Overall, just not a good offensive night for the Cardinals. If it wasn't for Chrislin Carr in that first quarter, the Cardinals may have lost this game by even more so than they did um, in that first quarter. They went down nineteen to thirteen. Carr had all but two of the thirteen points that the Cardinals had in the second quarter. Um, it was Morgan Jones. The Cardinals entered the halftime intermission with a three with a two point lead, thirty three to thirty one. Third quarter was a back-and-forth matchup. NC State went into the final period with a one-point lead, and then the Louisville offense went absolutely ice cold. Um, Didn't get their first field goal until less than two minutes, less than two minutes in the game. That's something that really hurt Louisville. Um, Just shots weren't falling. So many missed layups, um, rust shots at the time. Uh, or at times, I should say. And obviously, NC State, despite Louisville being a solid defensive team, NC State did what they needed to do. And the Wolfpack ended up outscoring the Cardinals 15-4 to in the final segment. Louisville, you would think, with any bit close to a quarter of the past three, that you would think that maybe Louisville has a solid chance. They had an opportunity in that fourth quarter to really um, you know, behind a solid 11,000 people crowd to do some work and defeat NC State for the first time in four tries or five tries, I should say. Uh, but like I said, some of the offensive issues that have popped up over the season proved to be very detrimental in that final period. Um, defensively speaking, I think Louisville did what they need to do for the most part Um Boyd had 15 for NC State. She was six of eight from the field. It looked like they tried to make sure that Diamond Johnson uh didn't necessarily score all that much. She did go four of eleven, so they made life tough for her. She had 12 points. Um, but she had six assists and five rebounds and two steals to go along with that. So, you know, shout out to her being five foot five and being able to rebound the way she did. Uh, they forced her to be a facilitator and That's what she did. She facilitated at a very high rate, had some solid assists, especially in that second half. Sanaya Rivers was solid off the bench for NC State. Um, You look at the Cardinals, only three players that scored over five points. It was the normal three, Morgan Jones, Haley Van Lith, and Chris Carr. Haley Van Lith had a very, very off night, shot 25% from the field, actually 20% from the field, four of 20. She had 11 points, uh, three of four from the free throw line. 0-3 0-3 from behind the arc. She had five turnovers. Um, the Cardinals overall, I think that the main issues are the scoring consistencies across the board. You'll have one player step up and another player um, isn't able to get going. Or you have two players step up and the rest of the supporting cast isn't anywhere to be found. I think that that was one of the issues that we saw here. Um, Haley Van Lith struggled to get going. Granted, Chris Carr ended with a game high 16 points. She was six of 14 um, better in the first half. Obviously Uh, Morgan Jones, five of 12 from the field. She had 13 points to go along with five rebounds, but you look at the front court, you look at what Louisville was able to do in the front court, six points, simply put not good enough. Um, Mm -hmm when Lovell's front court struggles you see the team get a little one-dimensional you know you, there's a lot of responsibility that's put on Haley van Litt's plate in the scoring department rightfully so uh even when Morgan Jones and crystalline Carr score in double figures the Cardinals struggle if the front court production isn't there Olivia Cochran um only had uh two actually actually she had 11 rebounds Uh, But she only had four shot attempts. She finished with zero points on the afternoon. 27 minutes, zero points. Liz Dixon, 11 minutes. She had four points. Nyla Harris played 16 minutes. She was one of four from the field, had two points. Josie Williams, eight minutes, 0 of two. Um, Marissa Russell played one minute. I know she's listed as a guard, um, probably more of a wing. No shot attempts. So you look at this in an instance of, Sure, the responsibility is put on players like Morgan Jones, like Haley Van Lith, like Crislin Carter to score the basketball, and I think that over the past couple of weeks they've gotten better as a collective unit scoring the basketball. But still, there is a point of emphasis on getting that front court production. You look at what NC State did against Louisville today; they realized the Louisville wasn't scoring inside. Granted, they missed a lot of layups as well. But they forced Louisville to, you know, take some tough shots, some shots that they probably weren't necessarily all that comfortable taking. Sure, shots weren't falling at alarming rates, and sometimes you just have an off afternoon. But at the end of the day, man, it was an instance to where you feel like if Louisville could have gotten some production in the front court, that they would have had a better chance in this game. And I think moving forward, obviously, as the late great Nipsey Hussle said, the marathon continues. And you have to continue to get better because you still have, um, you know, a whole month of the season to go. You turn your attention now to a road uh, stretch with Wake Forest and Syracuse. But as of right now, I, you know, you have to continue to get better. And I think that, looking at this situation, it's, it's, it's a situation to where, I think that you have to get that front court production if you want to see this team. Take it to the next level, right? I think um, you know. At the end of the day, you you see a team that is just needing to um, continue to um, get more production from the inside, like you did last year with Olivia Cochran and Liz Dixon. And you're definitely missing a player like Emily Inksler inside, but you need to, um, you'll get some more production from the front court, which I have no doubt that they will. They have a lot of talented players in the front court. So I look for them to take that next step. Uh, but to conclude the remainder of the show, we'll dive into the weekly mailbag segment. Before we do that, I, I do want to give a shout out to my guy, Brian Trent over at the state of host of the off the walls podcast. Um, he had his first live postgame show at the Granville pub uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, very, very fortunate for him to have me in attendance along with um um Monique Reed, former Louisville Cardinal star, um Alexis Cubit from The Courier Journal. um the guys over at main event, um, you know Rashawn Myers and company. Just very, very excited. Shout out to my guy, Joe Kelly, over at the Granville Pub for his hospitality and the staff over there. No better spot to check out a Louisville game than that iconic pub over near Louisville's campus. Um, but yeah, so diving into the weekly mailbag. First question um, is a direct um, uh, reference to Emmanuel For Do you see any... Spot this season to where he may be implemented into the starting lineup. I think that that's kind of too quickly to be seen. Uh, It really just depends on how he responds on the court. I think that if he is showing some good moments, if he's continuing to um, look good on both ends of the court, if he is not getting in foul trouble early, if he's I think it's all about you know what he's doing on the court. Obviously, um, the injury to Brandon Huntley-Hatfield is another aspect of this conversation that has to be monitored because if he's out, that's another player that uh, could be starting in that role right now. It's J.J. Trainer or Jalen Withers, obviously, for that spot. So I think that at this time, I'd say I don't see there being a, a spot of that right now. But if he were to have a good stretch over the next five games or so, who knows? He may be implemented into the starting lineup. Do you see a win left on the Louisville schedule? If so, who would it be? So, looking at the remainder of the schedule, there's what? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12 regular season games. Obviously, there's an ACC tournament game as well. Um, there's a couple ranked teams Miami, Virginia, twice, Clemson, you have a game against Duke. Um, I think you know. There's two games against Georgia Tech. You know, Georgia Tech is eight and eleven. You know, in the ACC, they're right ahead of the Cardinals. They are one and eight. Uh, So that's an opportunity. There's a couple games. I mean, Georgia Tech's one and eight. You've got two more games with them, a home and home. You're at Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame is one and seven, I believe. Virginia Tech is also to be played. Um, You'll play them at home. So. I think that there's possibly opportunities if Louisville comes to play. Those are the four to look at. Um, The the three that are the four games are the three opponents that are immediately ahead of Louisville in the schedule uh, or in the standings. I should say Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and um, Notre Dame. So, uh, continuing on, there's been a lot of talk. You even tweeted out about Gabe Sisk from Ballard. Is he for sure Louisville level? And why do you think he is? I'm actually planning on having a segment later on in the week about Gabe Sisk. Um, I think he's level level. I've watched him play the past four years. Obviously I announced for mail. So there's been some very, very solid matchups between mail and Ballard. Every game that I've gone to watching Gabe Sisk, he's had um, some very, very solid performances. So I think that Sisk is level level. He's a six, six combo guard. Um, Not, Overly athletic, uh, doesn't have a ton of speed, uh, you know, laterally, uh, but he's extremely strong for his size. Six six can handle the basketball, um, shoot from anywhere inside the half court, uh, three level score, solid body control around the rim, does a good job of getting to the basket and finishing around the rim. Solid rebounder, uh, willingness to rebound, solid on ball defender. Um, He also just makes winning basketball plays. A very uh, cohesive basketball player does a good job making the extra pass, even if it doesn't uh, show up in the stat sheet. Um, Overall, very, very unselfish facilitator. You know, being sort of a – he went from being a traditional two-guard to now sort of a combo guard that can be a secondary or tertiary ball handler if you need it. And we see this season for Louisville that – You know, sometimes you can have all the ball or you need all the ball carriers or ball handlers, not ball carriers, ball handlers that you can get. So um, moving right on along, I'm going to go ahead and answer this question for probably the last time. Is Kenny Payne getting a second year? I don't know. I won't know today on January 23rd. I won't know. The last game of the regular season, unless something happens, I think that that's for Josh Hurd and company to decide. If you're asking me if I think he'll be back, I mean I think he'll be back. No inside information. This is just kind of an intuition, gut feeling type thing. I think they're going to give him an offseason with no NCAA cloud to try to get uh, some players from the transfer portal and completely overhaul this roster because it definitely needs it. Um, in terms of the you know the coaching and things of that nature, I think that um you know obviously I think that. This staff is going to have to continue to learn. They're going to have to um, continue to um, you'll get better on an X's and O's level. But as of right now, I, I think, will he get a second year? I mean, I think so at the end of the day. Uh, I, I have no inside information, so truly I don't know. Um, moving on into the final question, um, how do you think that Louisville needs to approach the transfer portal numbers-wise? I mean, you have what? Is there thirteen scholarships? Is that how many scholarships you get uh, at the Power Five level? Is it thirteen? Um, I do probably need to look that up. Um, I I think that um, you know you're going to have a lot of roster turnover. I, I think that L. Ellis will probably go to the NBA draft, or you know, look to enter his name into the NBA draft. Um, I, I only think maybe two, three players are going to be back. You know, maybe some of the younger guys, um, if they're not going to the transfer portal, they're probably going to the draft. So you're probably going to have um, a couple players uh, return. I'd say let's say three to four players. Um, you have two guys committed now, Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams. So that's five to six. Um, so then that leaves you seven spots, and I think you legitimately have to use all of those spots. You have to use all of them. Um, I'm not sure if there's a scholarship loss uh, from the NCAA ruling or the IARP ruling. Um, there might possibly be. If so, I guess you'll implement it then or possibly this year. But you need about five, six, seven ready players, uh, guys that have started at a pass level, guys that have scored in double figures. You have to go get primary scorers. You have to go get ball handlers. You have to go get you know, complimentary pieces. This is going to be no – Easy task for Kenny Payne and company like they are going to have to have, um, you know, an absolutely, uh, you know, elite transfer portal class. They're going to have to go in. and They're going to have to go get about four to five guys that can play significant minutes because. Look, there's a chance that you're going ahead and getting a whole new starting five for next year, and then you're going to have to fill out the bench. Maybe you have a couple guys returning from last year that maybe would slide into a starting role, but possibly not. Maybe they slide into the bench roles. Maybe Caleb Glenn or Curtis Williams slides into that role. But I think you're going to have to go get five, six, seven players that have played at the college level that have looked solid and that, um, well, like I said, it's a tall task for Kenny Payne and Company. but that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone, have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.